Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 209. I've never heard of the fiddle game, said Shadow. I think I've heard of the others. My old cellmate said he'd actually done the Spanish prisoner. He was a grifter. Ah, said Wednesday, and his left eye sparkled. The fiddle game was a fine and wonderful con. In its purest form, it is a two-man grift. It trades on cupidity and greed, as all great grifts do. You can always cheat an honest man, but it takes more work. So, we are in a hotel, or an inn, or a fine restaurant, and dining there we find a man. Shabby, but shabby genteel. Not down at heel, but certainly down on his luck. We shall call him Abraham. And when the time comes to settle his bill, not a large bill, you understand, fifty, seventy-five dollars an embarrassment. Where is his wallet? Good lord, he must have left it at a friend's, not far away. He shall go and obtain his wallet forthwith. But here, mine host, says Abraham, take this old fiddle of mine for security. It's old, as you can see, but it's how I make my living. Wednesday's smile when he saw the waitress approaching was huge and predatory. Ah, the hot chocolate, brought to me by my Christmas angel. Tell me, my dear, could I have some more of your delicious bread when you get a moment? The waitress, what was she, Shadow wondered, sixteen, seventeen? looked at the floor and her she- her cheeks flushed crimson. She put down the chocolate with shaking hands and retreated to the edge of the room by the slowly rotating display of pies where she stopped and stared at Wednesday. Then she slipped into the kitchen to fetch Wednesday his bread. So the violin, old and questionably, perhaps a little battered, is placed away in its case and our temporarily impecunious Abraham sets off in search of his wallet. But a well-dressed gentleman only just done with his own dinner has been observing this exchange and now he approaches our host. Could he, perchance, inspect the violin that honest Abraham left behind? Certainly he can. Our host hands it over, and the well-dressed man, let's call him Barrington, opens his mouth wide, then remembers himself and closes it, examines the violin reverentially, like a man who has been permitted into a holy sanctum to examine the bones of a prophet. Why, he says, this is... It must be. No, it cannot be, but yes. And that's our page... I've remembered the story, and I've been excited for it to come up for weeks now, and in all that excitement, well, I didn't remember just how creepy Wednesday's praying on the girl who's waiting tables is. I also didn't remember that it was mixed in with the fiddle game story, and it's a bit of an uncomfortable dichotomy for me now. At the same time, though, what we have is another storytelling scene. This one doesn't have the same aesthetic as Nancy's story, which was a bit more of a fable. Wednesday's story here is maybe a heist tale, or... Well, that's probably the closest comparison I can think of. If there's something I've appreciated about Neil Gaiman's storytelling technique since the first time I picked up a doll's house trade is how he can slip in and out of different styles and voices with ease. And I think I sort of forgot about how this shows up in in uh, American Gods. In Sandman, there's a lot of hopping around between times and characters and things. And so it's easier for me to remember that, but I always forget that Wednesday is very distinct from Nancy, and they're both very distinct from Shadow himself. I think it's also hard for me to kind of remember that, because the last hundred or so pages have been pretty much all in Shadow's head, except for Salim's story for a few pages. So now we're getting Wednesday's voice again, and it's just spectacular. At the head of the page, Shadow makes a passing reference to Low-Key Lysmith, his old cellmate, and immediately after, Wednesday's real eye sparkles. Of course, this could be the joyful sparkle as he recognizes a fellow grifter, or... Well, I just wonder how much he knows. I know how much he knows. I've read the book before, but... We can discuss that a little more later on, maybe. I think Wednesday's enjoyment of the hot cocoa in this scene, instead of some more potent libation, is twofold. 
For one thing, it's a family-style restaurant in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and they probably don't have Jack Daniels or even beer on tap, possibly. But also, recall back to the bank heist scene where he wore pink earmuffs and Shadow said they made him look reassuring, amusing, and ultimately lovable. And I think he's going for the same sort of presentation here. I also think it's interesting Wednesday's choice of the fiddle player choice of name for the fiddle player, the grifter, that is, of course, is Abraham, because in the Torah, his name is Avram, meaning high father, which would definitely be appealing to the Odin side of Wednesday, especially remembering back to Odin's, some of Odin's names in in the carousel scene, high father and highest were both amongst them. Sorry, not high father, all father and highest were amongst them. There's another reference to down at heel, which I believe brings us up to three within the novel at this point. It's not a particularly cogent reference, but it's just, it's a phrase I don't know that I've heard outside the book, and now I've seen it here three times so far. The word on the page I didn't recognize and stumbled over while reading is impernicious. Nope, impecunious, which is a fancy way of saying poor or penniless. It comes from Latin, of course, sometime in the 16th century. The other grifter here named Barrington is the partner, and I don't know if it's related or not, but the pair is alphabetically A and B. According to a couple of sources, Barrington can mean fair-haired, which could be a reference back to the mythological Loki, although I thought, I don't know, I'm, I, I might be, I think I'm, there's the Sandman version of Loki who is red-haired, fire-haired, flame-haired, and then there's the Marvel version, which is dark-haired. And I couldn't find a whole lot of references to exactly how he was depicted in the original myths. I even kind of flipped through Neil Gaiman's book a bit back and forth trying to find it, and I didn't come up with much. Oh, wait, in this very book, I think there's a reference. Ah, there it is. So it says on page four, Lie Smith kept his orange blonde hair pretty much shaved. You could see the lines of his skull. So there we are, fair haired, at least in this depiction. In the old myths, Thor was a good friend, but only Loki would have been clever enough to be a grifting partner. So when we get to next week's notes, we can talk a bit more about that. But for now, consider, why did Wednesday's eye sparkle when Shadow mentioned his old cellmate? Had Wednesday discovered the knowledge of an old friend? And a final note, Barrington inspects the violin in the manner of a man who had been able to examine the bones of a prophet. I think it's a curious choice of prophet over savior or saint. I think this is mostly a nod to Norse mythology, where there's more value in prophecy and, well, there's no saviors. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for the use of his version of St. James Infirmary Blues as the show's theme, and thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.